Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. That was uh, Ainsley Lister from the album Home, which has uh, just come out. And I'm delighted to say that we're now joined by Ainsley Lister. Hello, Ainsley. Hello. He was there a second ago. I'm here now. Hey! <laughs> yes, I'm here. Oh, hello, <laughs> Ainsley. You, hello. You had me worried, especially after last time as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Right. Um, in one biography I've seen, it says you were born to be a musician. Would you agree? Born to be a musician? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if anybody's born to be anything. It's just something I naturally gravitated towards. Just I grew up around music. I mean, my dad... As young as I can remember, I, my dad always had his record player on. So I suppose even before I was born, there was always music resonating around everywhere. And uh, uh, it's just, I was just surrounded by it. So that's all I knew. Um, and when I was, I think there's even a picture of me in a family album when I was about three or four, sat in front of the stereo with a massive pair of earphones, which was about as big as my head. And I'm just staring at the stereo. So I was obviously into it from quite an early age. Right. Well, I mean, you mentioned your dad there, and he introduced you to blues music at an early age. Is there one track that stands out in particular? One track that what stands out that sort of got me into it? Yeah. Um, I would say... Not, no, probably not. Not one track in particular. It's just most of the stuff that my dad listened to was guitar music. It was all... My dad was always into like, listening to great guitar solos and great guitarists like Peter Green, Clapton, Mick Taylor. Right, yeah. And, uh, and those kind of guys. Like the 60s electric blues players of the, you know, the 60s blues boom. They were the ones that he really um, liked listening to. So that's what I just heard. So I just he- heard this, this noise, which obviously I later found out was electric guitar solos. And I just wanted to copy it. Mm-hmm. So that's, ha- that's how I got started, literally just copying the stuff that I was hearing on his... Mm. Right. Um, you were playing in a bar band at the age of 13. Was that a slightly intimidating atmosphere? Um, yes and no. I, I was intimidated. Into, I was very, very shy when I was younger. Mm. I was, you know, um, not. I was not very outgoing uh, unless I had a guitar. If I had a guitar in my hand, I was absolutely fine. That was like my comfort blanket. Mm. So I think playing... In a in a bar band when I was thirteen and fourteen, as long as I had a guitar, I was fine. I, mean, I was probably just staring at the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't intimidated in terms of being frightened of playing. I was quite happy to play because it's something I've done from being such a young age that mm. it's it's something I I, I mean I, I suppose I'm lucky with it. I I I never felt like I had to work it. It was something that I just loved doing. Like all of my mates who go out and play football. I'd go inside and play my guitar, yeah. and that was my—that was just my, you know, my sort of hobby, if you like. So when it came to actually performing in front of people, playing it, I was quite happy. But mm. I wasn't sort of like at the front of the stage with a foot on the monitor and banging my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, by the age of eighteen, you'd acquired a support slot with Buddy Guy. Yeah. Uh, we played track by him earlier in the show. Did the great man offer any tips or advice? Uh, <laughs> when I'm, I I went backstage to meet Woody Guy, um, and he was um, he was busy doing his pre-gig ritual, which amounted to 
filling a wine glass full of, I think, Remy Martin or something like that. And I, th- I thought it was just, it looked like Tizer or something, the way he was doing it. And, and he just necked it in front of me. And I, I couldn't actually get any sense out of it. He was completely... I just anything that he said it was kind of a moment and of course I'd never seen him I'd never probably met him before it's the first time I met him so I thought this guy's got to go on stage in 20 minutes he's not going to be able to even stand up there on the play and and I, I tried to talk to him and I got him to sign my guitar but he kind of just mumbled and yeah. <laughs> really so and then he walked on stage with his head down and then suddenly it was almost like somebody had plugged him back into the mains yeah. where he suddenly uh. just came alive and was like this this figure of entertainment and just did the most amazing, you know, mm. show where he just had the audience in the palm of his hand. He's singing and his playing was absolutely phenomenal. I was just blown away. Yeah. But 20 minutes previous, I'd sort of sat in the dressing room with him, um, trying to talk to this guy who, who couldn't even speak. <laughs> <laughs> Super. So that was my first experience with Buddy Guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you were signed to Rough Records and ended up working with Jim Gaines, who produced Stevie Ray Vaughan. That must have been a thrill. Um, that was great, actually. I mean, the album was initially going to be produced by Walter Trail. Right. I, I just signed to Rough in, I think it was March 98, and we were due to do the album sort of over the summer. And I'd done a bit of touring with Walter, and um, Walter was going to produce it as my first album for Rough Records. And then Walter ended up being on a tour or having other commitments. And I remember Thomas Ruff phoning me up and saying, well, I can't get Walter. Really, really sorry. I know it's a bit disappointing. I've got this other guy who's a really well-known producer called Jim Gaines. And I, and I didn't know who Jim Gaines was, you know. And I said, uh, I said, all right, is he any good? And he said, well, you know, he's, he's done, he said, have a look, you know, have a, a, bit, of, you know, do a bit of research and check him out. I went home and, of course, went through my dad's record collection, realised who this Jim Gaines character <laughs> was, um, and suddenly thought, oh, wow, th- you know, this is, this is fantastic. Um, and it was great to work with him, because he was just a very down-to-earth, just, just a regular guy that was just very good at what he mm. did. And, of course, when I was growing up, sort of between sort of my mid-teens, I was really into Stevie Ray Vaughan. Mm. Um, so, of course, I got to ask him loads of questions, mm. you know, and I got like, first-hand inf- accounts of what it was like in the studio and how many takes he did and how he set his amplifier and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So for my first, you know, commercial release, first sort of proper album on a label, um, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> really good. Oh, I've said many a time I had tickets to see Steve, Stevie Ray Vaughan, but uh, he cancelled the concerts due to ill health, in inverted right. commas. Uh, so I never got to see the man, which is... Uh, one of my biggest regrets, but hey-ho. In the space of 10 years, you've released seven albums and two DVDs. What is it that drives you? Just to live for it. Yeah. I, I, I just absolutely love playing and performing and writing, creating. Just every aspect of it. I mean, I, I got asked this a few weeks ago, you know, um, you know, do you think you can still be doing it in 10 years? Like, you know, the, the relentless touring and travelling. And for me... Um, I mean, we've just, I mean, I've actually just got back from Germany. We drove over there for the weekend and we drove back, I think we drove 600 miles yesterday in the van. And it's, it's, I think most people, the thought of actually driving 600 miles mm. in one day 
cooped up in a van with you know five or six other people and in the baking hot sun <laughs> we've got we haven't got air conditioning at the moment we need to upgrade <laughs> it's just horrible but for me I, I absolutely love it and every aspect of just the whole touring life you know just uh, being a musician really and although you know you do spend a lot of hours not actually on stage but you, you know you can literally go on stage for an hour and that hour uh, everything else that you do, like the 20 or 30 hours before it, that mm. you know, traveling, flying, driving, whatever you're doing, mm. just to be on stage for an hour and to get that buzz is, there's, there's, you can't compare that. No. And I think um, as long as my creativity doesn't dry up, you know, and I, I sort of, if, if I started to struggle with, you know, in terms of inspiration, I'd probably start to question why and wonder you know i'd only want to i only want to do it as long as i enjoy it yeah I mean, it's, it's never in all the times i've i've been doing it i mean i've been professional now you know since i did that first record for rough uh, yeah 15 years mm. and i still love it now probably more now than when i first started yeah it's just i just love doing it mm. <laughs> Um, the songs on the new album have been worked on and refined at gigs is that a technique you'll use for future albums uh, yes, I think it is, yeah. I mean, it's the best um, way to basically try things out and see if they work. Because when you're in the studio, I've, I've done, I've done, of all the albums, that, I mean, this is my, the, the new one, the new album, Home, is, is my 10th album now. And I've obviously, I've tried a few different ways of doing it. Mm. And I think this time I, I kind of got it where I wanted it because I wrote the songs as and when I felt the urge or I had something to write about or I was inspired by something or whatever yeah. and to actually be able to go out and try them live to see how the audience reacts, see what it's like to play and then listen back to it and think oh you know that section doesn't work it's a bit flat there or that needs, that needs a bit of something and just to try them out because when you're in the studio there's so much you can do in the studio to, to sort of you know if something sounds a bit lame or a bit weedy you can add an extra guitar or add an mm. extra track but when you're literally playing live you've got four instruments yeah mm. so and if it's not working in a live context you've got to think well why is it not working is it the song is it the way we're playing it is it the parts we're playing so to sort of be able to not overanalyze it but just to just to see how they work live and of course as a musician when you start to play new material you you have to get to know it before you can really excel certainly when it comes to like playing like a guitar solo or something I, you know it's nice to sort of try different mm. ways of playing you know, approach it in different ways and then you'll find something that really really works and mm. so then when you go into the studio you've already tried all the different variables but yeah. when i've recorded in the past certainly the last studio album i did equilibrium that was in 2009 and the majority of that album was written in the months leading up to me going in so none of that material was actually played live until after the album had been recorded and then what happens then you go out and play it live and then you realize there's a better way to play it a better arrangement mm. yeah and then the song gets better but then of course you listen back to the cd and think oh the cd's not as good as the live yeah. stuff now mm. so then to be able to try to do it the other way around is it, certainly for this album it works really well so i think yeah. probably we'll do that you, next time you like yeah. improvise a little riff while you're on stage and you go oh i should have done that <laughs> Well, this is it, and it's, you know, also, with this album, I wanted to write an album that was that worked both in the studio, but also live as well, because with Equilibrium, um, we tried to do a lot of that stuff live, and half of it, although, it, you know, we could still play it live, it wasn't as much fun to play, it's more sort of studio tracks, where mm. 
and they didn't seem to work as well with a live audience. So for this album, I wanted to have an album full of 10 or 12 songs, which all the songs were played live, they would all work with an audience, they'd all work from an enjoyment perspective of playing them. But also, when you listen to it on an album, it works on an album as well. It's, it's a bit of a balancing act, really, but... Yeah. Mm. Um, but that was the other. That was one of the other reasons I wanted to try this stuff live as well. Mm. Well, some of the songs on the new album have a, a, a jazzy feel. I'm thinking of "Impossible" for one. Uh, is that a direction that tempts you? No, not at all. No, not not really. No. I mean, <laughs> when it, to be honest with you, when it comes to jazz, I mean, jazz is there's, there's different. I mean, I don't know the first thing about jazz, but to, to my how I perceive it is jazz. There's the sort of really. Um, serious jazz where it's sort of all funny notes and <laughs> a, a very sort of you, you've got to be a musician to appreciate it, <laughs> how I describe it. Uh, but then there's jazz where it's just got that sort of jazzy laid back feel with you know double bass and yeah. and yeah. on that track um it was just a chord sequence i came up with on the guitar and i thought yeah that'd be quite cool um mm. i thought and some double bass would be nice and some sort of brushes on the drums and then obviously working with Andre Bassing, who's the the keys player, he's very, very into jazz. Yeah. Um, and so having him around in the studio, and, and with the musicians that I worked with in the studio, I didn't, although I had um, my demos of the song, I said, look, this is how the song goes, and I'd play them my, my home-recorded version. I kind of gave him a free reign with it, really. I'd just mm. say, play some piano over that, or some bass or drums or whatever. And then I'd just, and if it wasn't quite what I was hearing I just said well try something again but try a bit more like this and with Andre he's really really adaptable so he knows I like the more bluesy side of his jazz mm, yeah. jazz playing but I'm not I'm not in there. I'm not really into it I just like the sort of the laid back feel and for that song it was just uh, it was for me it started off as like a, just a really laid back bluesy thing with just a bit of a sort of a smoky vibe yeah mm. cool um, you're going to be headlining at Maryport later in the year. In, later in the year, are you looking forward to that one? Yeah, it's it's always good at Maryport. I mean, we've done um, we've done a lot of festivals um, over the last sort of few weeks, a couple of months. I mean, we've done yeah. we've done quite a lot of European ones. We're flying out on um, on Wednesday to Switzerland. We've got one there, and then we've got a good handful of UK ones, including Maryport. But any kind of festival is always good fun. It's yeah. just I think it's a it's a different gig to doing a normal, you know, just a normal show at a venue. Mm. Um, and plus, well, you get a chance to see other bands as well because when when you're so busy on the road, it's very rare, certainly that I get a chance to go out and see other bands. So when we're at festivals, we we started to stick around. If if, if the schedule will allow it, we'll, we'll stick around mm. and just check out the other bands because it's it's just a good atmosphere, really. And I think it's it's the same for me as it is for the audience. You know, you go and you, there's just so much music there and. Yeah. Uh, the atmosphere is normally really good. So. And it's a lovely place as well. Yes, it's, it's a lovely place in there. Well. It is. So, yes. so that'll be a good one. So on that subject, I mean, what does the future hold for you? Uh, who knows? I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, the, the album, the new album came out on July the 8th, which was a week ago today. Mm-hmm. And uh, so far, the reaction's been absolutely fantastic. So... I don't know. We, we just need to see where this album's going to go and um, what level it's going to take us to, really. I mean, we've got stuff coming in right up to sort of the back end of summer next year, so it really is getting quite chocker. Mm. <laughs> and I, I can't see me 
having a break, uh, <laughs> certainly for the next seven or eight months at least. Uh, uh-huh. But that's, that's how I like it to be. I mean, I, the one thing about being a musician and being out on the road is that no two days are ever the same. I, I like that kind of... I wouldn't like a, a sort of a very regimented week where it's always the same. So uh-huh. I, I do quite like that you never know what's around the corner and, you know, because, and, and you know, you get some nice surprises sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, who knows? Watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ever make it to the Crew and Nantwich area, please give us a shout. Yeah, yeah. We'll do it again. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Ainsley. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, yeah, thank you. We're going to yeah. play, uh, well, the one we've just been talking about, Impossible. And yeah. uh, all the best for the future, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. All right. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank okay, you. Okay. Bye. 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 And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So plenty more to come. And of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.